0: Welcome into another episode of the Damn Good Dogcast everybody. I am your host Dylan. I am here today with JD How's it going? and Luke. What's up guys? We have a bit of a smaller crowd today. Everybody seemed a little too busy for us, but that's okay. We enjoy just sitting here talking about sports, even if it's just the three of us. So we're going to get straight into it today with some NFL talk. Let's talk about some of the head coaching hires that we had in the offseason. Who do you guys think was the best? Who do you guys think was the
1: worst? I mean, you know i got to go with Sean Payton as my favorite. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not just because I think he has a chance to revitalize Russell Wilson. Honestly, whether or not he revitalizes Russell Wilson, what I like about Sean Payton is he's bringing in his culture, just like he did when he became the Saints head coach, is he completely revitalized that organization. And the Broncos have been struggling since Payton retired and so, what I'm hoping for from Sean Payton, and what I see him doing already with the way he's building his staff, keeping the media out of everything, and just very dominant in the way he's building his staff, is he's changing the culture around the Broncos, and it's going to be changing to a winning culture. Doesn't matter if Russell Wilson pans out or not, we're gonna start winning. I
2: had I would agree with that. I, I had two guys written down. One guy who probably for the future and you know the next five years of that team they're going to be solid. I had Frank Reich. But for a guy that's saying win now mode with head coach says, okay, tomorrow, the next game we're going to play, we're going to win. I think I agree with you with Sean Payton. He's going to bring out the best in Russell Wilson. He's He coached Drew Brees to, I mean, top five, probably quarterback of all time levels. And I think, I think he can do that with Russ. I mean, Russ, it's just one bad year, one really down year. Questionable coaching hire with Hackett, and I hope he does get back to what he was in Seattle. But for a guy, the other guy I mentioned, Frank Reich, I mean, he's building an all star crew in, um, sorry, Carolina. He's hired Thomas Brown, defensive coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator from the Rams. Uh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Sorry. Offensive coordinator from the Rams. Thomas Brown, he got head coaching looks this offseason, and then they took the Broncos defensive coordinator. I don't want to butcher his name live on air, but he obviously, he
1: Ajiro
2: Evero. Coach Evero was taken from the Broncos, and they had a fantastic defense this year. And then he's also bringing in guys like D'Angelo Hall, Deuce Staley as assistants, and even Jim Caldwell, who was a former head coach for the Lions. These are all guys that are going to have a great culture and are good people with the players.
0: Now, while I agree for the most part with both of you guys, especially Luke, that Frank Reich is a really good hire in Carolina, and I think Sean Payton will end up being a good hire in Denver whether or not Russell Wilson works out. I think there's one hire that one-ups both of those, and that's D'Amico Ryans in Houston. Um, I really do think that we saw what a Kyle Shanahan defensive coordinator can do when Robert Sala went to the Jets and turned that team around in two seasons. And now, that being said, the Jets aren't a contender, but how much of that is on Robert Sala, you know? He's done a great job coming in, turning that culture around where the Jets have just been perennial losers for the past decade— and now they're they're on the upswing. So oh,
1: that that defense he's built is solid in uh, New York. But my thing with D'Amico, he was my honorable mention just because he's an unknown. Like, yeah, he's a great defensive coordinator. We saw that with the 49ers. But coordinators don't always make great head coaches. And so it's like he's done a really good job there, and he has the history, but... Who knows? Yes, but Falcons yeah. fans know that all too well with Dan Quinn.
2: Yeah. no, luckily for D'Amico Ryan's, he's going to have some time to really come in and build an offensive scheme to go with his elite defense, uh, defensive scheme. So he does, He's not in. He's not pressured to win year one. He's going to have to develop potentially a quarterback that they're going to draft and other pieces around that offense.
0: So he. we're going to see an adequate couple years of D'Amico to see what the Texans can really do. I think this is the first time in a long time that the Texans have made a genuine good hire at head coach. And I'm really excited to see how it works out.
1: I think the worst head coaching vacancy would be Jonathan Gannon. And not because he's all bad play caller. Like he did pretty good with the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's, yeah, it's Nick Sirianni's offense. So who knows how much impact he actually had in there. But I feel with as. Many rumors as there are about Kyler Murray, I don't feel a first-time head coach was a great move for the Cardinals trying to bring that organization together.
2: I would agree, especially with Kyler Murray. He, I mean, you see the untapped potential. We saw it at some flashes uh, the past couple seasons, and then at Oklahoma. I mean, a Heisman winner, and so we were, were. I thought I was looking for a veteran, offensive-minded head coach to go into Arizona, and instead we got a rookie defensive coach. So I guess we'll see what uh, Jonathan Gannon can do down there in Glendale, but.
0: I I also agree
2: with you. I don't really like it too much.
0: Now, one last question before we move off of the head coaching vacancy stuff. I do want to ask this to you, J.D., directly uh, as a Broncos fan. We've seen in the past and heard in the past that Russell Wilson's entire attitude is that he is just a step above everyone else and that he is this locker room cancer. And bringing in Sean Payton, who has a very strong coaching
1: mindset, do you think he can overcome that? all of those are pure rumors because when you talk like if you follow the twitter of broncos uh players and stuff like every single one of them will go out of their way to dispute it publicly like uh jerry judy was like he is i've never met a better leader like no one's inspired me more kind of thing and uh as much as there is like toxic about that i think that's just toxic media because the broncos were playing bad and russell wilson was playing bad if he was playing good, none of that would have ever come out.
0: Well, I mean, that being said, you have guys that will go out of their way to defend them, but you also have guys that won't go out of their way to defend them and honestly closeted kind of hate Russell Wilson. And maybe we don't hear from that guys that often. What, I guess what I'm
1: saying is that Russell Wilson seems to be a very,
0: what's the word? Polarizing. Pulverizing. Yeah. But the, the, They also
1: focus on things like, oh, he has his own office and he has his own uh, trainers and stuff, but it's like uh, what's Kenny uh, Pickett and the Steelers had his own office. Uh, Danny Daniel D- or Danny Dimes in, on the Giants had his own office. Like, But nobody talks about that. Yeah. They're like, oh, Russell Wilson. It's like a lot of quarterbacks have their own crap. No, mm-hmm. and those are great points, and that's kind of why I
0: wanted to ask you directly as a Broncos fan what your thoughts on that were. But speaking of Sean Payton and a guy who he has worked with before, I think we should get into the Alvin Kamara incident and how he's been indicted from that incident in the casino last year
2: you know alvin kamara the, with the the video that just surfaced with tmz of him in the car saying i don't i don't remember verbatim what he said but something like i hit his jaw or something around those terms where he where he is saying that he hit the guy and i mean we saw photos of the guy I'm surprised that no ramifications happened this season. This was last season's Pro Bowl. Yeah. And now that the fact that this is coming out, I think it honestly makes the decision easier for New Orleans because he was a potential cap casualty this offseason anyway with the direction that franchise is turning. They need to find, I mean, they're dead last in cap room. They're negative. They're always negative under the cap. Somehow they figure it out. But I think maybe this would have been the offseason where they Finally, just let some guys, some veterans go. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, they're all all on the chopping block potentially. So I think it makes it easier for them with him facing charges.
0: I think their work in the draft the past few years has reflected that as well with them moving away from Michael Thomas and in a new direction by drafting Chris Olave And maybe in this offseason in the draft, targeting a quarterback, maybe going out and getting Derek Carr and moving on from the Jameis Winston experiment with Andy Dalton coming in and taking that starting job. So...
2: Just a very interesting scenario in New Orleans because, I i mean, we all talk about how the NFC South is so open and so, you know, you're one player, two players away from winning it. But at the same time... Are you worth is it worth risking your future to win one NFC South title and get bounced in the first round? I don't think so. I think the Saints really should strip it all down, start from bare bones. You got a good receiver in Olave, solid players on defense. I think you got to keep Lattimore and a couple other guys out there because he's one of the top corners in the league. So just to have some guys and then just move forward with the new with a new core.
0: It's funny how the top two or three players on that roster are Ohio State players. You've got Pete Warner on the defense. You've got Marshawn Lattimore on the defense. And you've got Chris Olave, who just finished. Did he finish second or third in Rookie of the Year? He was a finalist. He was top three. And then Michael Thomas, also an Ohio State guy. It, It really seems like the front office there, Mickey Loomis and company in New Orleans really, really like what they're doing. At Ohio State, but moving on I mean, I guess somebody's got to like Ohio State <laughs> <laughs> That's me for those of you who. do. Anyways, moving on To our next topic, which is Actually the NFL Draft uh, We heard recently that Bryce Young Will not be participating in the Combine How do we think this affects his draft stock?
1: I feel like it's going to depend on his pro day uh, Because there are rumors That it's still the AC joint uh, He injured during the season That could be why he doesn't want to throw at the Combine uh, there's also rumors that maybe his 40 isn't what people expect and so he doesn't want to run the 40 to have a potential uh, choose like uh, choice between him and Stroud. Like maybe that would weigh more towards Stroud if he's not as fast as people think kind of thing. Like,
0: well, in my opinion, I actually do think that this will hurt his draft stock a little bit considering that the other top three quarterbacks will be participating and even maybe the fourth or fifth best quarterback and Stetson Bennett is participating as well. Now, that's not to be said that Stetson Bennett is on the same level as those guys. But my point is all of these other quarterbacks who are in the draft will be participating whether they're hurt or not. They are there to improve their draft stock and
1: Bryce Young. But the rest of them aren't nursing an injury. So we have to take that into account. But well, not publicly, but. Nursing an injury could also be a ding on his draft stock because what if it's a lingering? What if it's something that could reoccur in the future? And that's the reason why I don't think participating in the draft, in the combine, excuse me,
0: is a bad decision on Bryce Young's part because if he is dealing with an injury, then this is just like extenuating that, it's making it more obvious.
2: Outside of nursing and injury, I think Bryce Young is a little bit fearful of um, NFL measurements and how his height and weight is going to affect his draft stock. So I think by not participating in the combine, he's going to get a little more skewed results at the Alabama Pro Day, which probably is going to help his stock. But with this move, I think this ensures that he won't be the first quarterback taken off the board, in my opinion, just because how people are going to view the combine. And we saw with Trayvon Walker last year, right? dominated the combine RAS score off the charge just was lethal got picked number one overall I think quarterback maybe Levis Richardson even Stroud one of these guys is going to get their hype and shoot up the boards and be the first quarterback taken off the board
1: my own personal opinion I feel the combines overhyped like it's there are times where people get draft based because they're combine stars and then they don't produce in the NFL way more often compared to if you just watch tape But speaking of being fearful of coming in small, uh, how do we think Stetson Bennett's participation is going to affect his draft block? Do do we think it's going to rise or fall? Now, contrary to Bryce Young, where he's worried
0: about coming in small, I think the narrative around Stetson Bennett, his entire career, has been that he is too small to play quarterback. And he's obviously proven people wrong. He just came off of winning two national championships. And while he is a little bit older than everybody else, everybody knows that too. It's kind of the situation where tell me something I don't know. Like, tell me what I can't do because I've proven that I can already do it. And I think going out in the combine and doing that again in front of NFL scouts can only improve his draft stock.
2: Yeah. I was about to say there's <laughs> his stock really can't go any lower. Exactly. If I'm, if I'm going to be honest, I mean, after the arrest and his age and literally everything going for him has been low, a low day three pick and i think he's going to run well i think he can show off solid accuracy in the drills and i if he if he performs at a solid level he can get bumped up to probably a fourth round grade maybe fifth in my opinion
1: Yeah, I think honestly if he's more athletic than people anticipate because he was great at off schedule plays But we don't see like the electric speed all the time out of him But if he comes out and he runs like a four six ish 40 or something crazy High
2: high four fives.
1: Yeah, like he could be all of a sudden shooting up to like as high as the third or fourth round So if
0: bryce young isn't the first quarterback off the board, who do you think it's going to be luke? (sighs) I mean with all the rumors
2: recently, you know anthony richardson's Um, odds going from plus 5,000 to now he's up at plus 700 and teams are starting to you're starting to go away from Anthony Richardson is bad and he's so big of a project and it's this and now it's more of Anthony Richardson needs two things to be fixed and then he can be a solid quarterback in the NFL I mean I've I looked at some of his tape and I've never seen a guy in the pocket so like so he doesn't care he, there's gonna be five guys coming at him at all times and he, he's gonna sit there composed the whole time. His pocket awareness, it, it's it's honestly astounding. And I didn't notice that the first time around. And I, I'm not I'm not gonna pick Anthony Richardson number one overall, and I don't think he's a top probably he's probably for the fourth quarterback, best quarterback in this class. But just because of how good of an athlete he is and how he can dominate, he he probably has the best potential to dominate the Combine. I think he might go number one overall just because he's going to be a Combine star.
0: Well, you know, I like to call that the Mel Kuyper effect where <laughs> Mel Kuyper starts talking about somebody on ESPN and all of these scouts for these teams that consistently finish in the bottom four in the league listen to Mel Kuyper. They're like, eh,
1: yeah, I don't have to, I don't have to do my job. Mel Kuyper does it for me. And so they'll draft whoever Mel Kiper's talking about. Yeah, my issue with Anthony Richardson is like, yeah, he has that great like kind of pocket shiffiness, and he can get it. He's very elusive. He's very athletic, and he has a cannon. But a majority, eighty percent of the NFL is played between five yards and twenty-five yards. And of the quarterbacks in this draft, guess which quarterback had the lowest accuracy between five and twenty-five yards? Anthony Richardson. Exactly. And so statistically looking at quarterbacks who struggle in that range in a power five conference in college do not get significantly better in the nfl not a power five conference but one of the only examples of that type of improvement is josh allen but uh, you you see more packs and lynches than you do josh allen
2: and that's another thing with this league everyone's going to be chasing the next josh allen and i'm not and i don't think and like i just said anthony richardson i don't think he's He's him. I don't. I don't. But all these teams are going to be looking for that guy, and he Anthony Richardson probably has that build to him this this season.
0: Well, let's transition from a player who attended the University of Florida to a player who attended the uni, uh, the Florida State University. Excuse me, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, rumors swirling that he will be traded from the Rams at some point this offseason. Where do
1: you guys think he fits well? Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of options. He's literally like a top five corner still in this day and age. And so, I mean, Dream, for me, Dream would be him coming to the Broncos and pairing with uh, PS2. Like, that'd be an ultimate lockdown. Not going to happen, but
2: (laughs) – I think, I think uh, I, you know, I feel I'm in the same boat as you with the Giants. I think we're, Adoree Jackson was great as our quarterback one, but he profiles more as a nickel or a slot guy, lockdown slot guy. So for us to get Jalen Ramsey would be great, but we have a lot of more contracts, other issues this offseason. So two more realistic destinations I see, Detroit and Minnesota. Two NFC North teams. Detroit has two first-round picks this year, and I don't think he's going to cost the fifth overall pick. I think they'll take 18. For, I mean, maybe even straight up 18 for Jalen Ramsey. And there's been so many mocks where the uh, Lions are taking like Christian Gonzalez or Devon Witherspoon and at these top five picks. So if you can go out, pick up Jalen Ramsey with your later first round pick, who's potentially w- the best cornerback in the league some seasons, and then go get another star for your offense or defense with that number five overall pick. I think that'd be good for them.
1: Now, depending on if they end up trading for like Aaron Rodgers or something, uh, if that doesn't happen, someone I could see the Jets trading for is Jalen Ramsey. Because could you imagine pairing Sauce Gardner with PS2 on that defense? Like, that would be crazy.
0: It would be it would be a lockdown defense there in New York, especially under Robert Sala. I think you'd be looking at absolutely a top-five defensive unit in the NFL. Legion of Boom type numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah most certainly. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think Jalen Ramsey is going to go to a team that has draft capital which would be a team like Detroit or the jets who still have some draft capital from trades they've made in the past. That's really what the Rams are looking for out of this Jaylen Ramsey trade is draft capital to build in the future. Because I think just like the rest of us, they see that this roster is old and it's only going to get worse. And so it is time to let contracts expire deal the long-term contracts, and just start fresh.
1: The other thing to consider when looking at his potential destinations is cap space because he is still on his big contract, and so you have to re- realize that they have to be able to afford him on their roster. Like, And so a potential option but I don't think it'll happen would be like someone like the bears where they have a bunch of cap space and they're trying to rebuild, but I doubt it. Well, speaking of cap space, let's go ahead
0: and start talking about free agency because I actually have a couple of comments on cap space before we start talking about free agents and where we think they'll end up. Um, As we just said, the bears do have the most cap space in the NFL, but I think that's understated. The bears have $40 million, excuse me, $50 million more than any team in the NFL, they have $98 million in scap- cap space. The s- closest team to them is the Atlanta Falcons at $48 million. They have a massive advantage when it comes to free agency.
1: But you also have to consider they probably have the worst overall roster in the NFL. Like,
2: yeah, they're going to need that extra $50 million <laughs> oh, to, to go out and get guys.
1: Yeah. Most certainly. And then it's also going from being the worst team when you're seeking seeking free agencies like uh, free, agent, free agents, not agencies, obviously. Uh, it's do they want to come play for you or are they just taking the payday? And Because that's a completely different attitude. Like, Well, let's look at what Chicago has to offer. The Bears as an
0: organization, they just got a new front office. It's kind of hard to tell what they have to offer to a player as a franchise. But as a city, Chicago's is probably one of the most desirable destinations just as a tourist and as like a native of the city. I feel like Chicago is pretty attractive the most NFL free agents,
1: but you also have to look at it as who they're going to be competing against, and like taxes and stuff. Because Illinois not friendly in taxes, yeah. Uh, but then there's also they have the green they have the Packers in their division, they have the Lions who are on the rise, the Vikings who are uh, on paper a good team, <laughs> 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 and so it's it's one of those they have difficulties, they have advantages. I think it'll be hit or miss on a lot of people in the top like 10 of the free agent market.
2: I think they're going to have to overpay for some guys, but I think it's potentially going to be worth it for them especially on the defensive side of the football. We're going to get to some defensive free agents in a second but for them to overpay for guys on defense where they have a defensive minded head coach and I think it's, you know they're going to start right away and play 100% of snaps i think it's going to be okay for them to do that
0: well let's go back to last season where we saw a team overpay for a lot of guys we saw the jacksonville jaguars pay christian kirk a salary that nobody saw coming we saw them pay christian kirk we were like huh and then we saw them pay three offensive linemen that are over the age of 30 like double digit like eight figure salaries and everybody was like huh and then they went out they won their
1: division and they seem to be going in the right direction. So props to them. And that's really where I think the Bears should focus their money is offensive line. Protect Justin Fields and they could have a miracle turnaround. And that's the next point I was going to make is they have that $50 million of
0: extra cap space. They don't need to go pay a quarterback. So that $50 million extra million is going to go even further than it would if they didn't have a quarterback. So, well, that being said, let's talk about some of the free agents that are out there for them to sign, starting with LaBar
1: Jackson who's probably the most polarizing free agent in this class. Where do we think he goes? As far as where Lamar Jackson goes, if he doesn't sign with the Ravens, which right now indications doesn't seem like he will, uh, they actually may not like the exclusive franchise tag, but they may give him the uh, match franchise tag. So that way any team that offers him has to give up two first-round picks. Mm -hmm. And so for the Ravens, I I don't think they should let Lamar Jackson go. He's a top-five quarterback in this league. Uh, but if they made that choice in exchange for two first-round picks, it's not horrible. Well, uh, I think
0: it was made very obvious when Tyler Huntley came in and had to play for Lamar Jackson that he is probably the most valuable player to any team in the entire league because the numbers that the Ravens put up with Lamar Jackson versus without Lamar Jackson is just absolutely atrocious the numbers are staggering
2: yeah they just continue to win games with an awful receiving core bad ground game questionable and hurt secondary like their team around Lamar Jackson was pitiful this year and it was the same it's been the same for a couple seasons now so for me personally if the I think the Ravens would be out of their mind to not at least transition tag or franchise tag Lamar Jackson just because you know he he doesn't have to play on the tag but you can't let him get away on his terms. Like hit just him walking. You have to at least have him force his way out. And I think they should come to a resolution. And especially with the higher Todd Munkin, he's going to, if he comes back next year, I think he's an MVP candidate, potential MVP winner with the way Munkin operates his system and how Lamar is such a good running a uh, runner on top of that.
1: But honestly, if I'm Lamar, I may not want to come back because he's been there for four years And they haven't built anything around him at this point That's the point that I wanted to make If I'm Lamar, I'm probably Looking elsewhere, and as far as where I think he lands up, I think the most likely Destination is the Falcons I agree, and the reason I agree Is because I have heard
0: Recently in the past, of course we live in Atlanta We have some pretty reliable news sources Around here That Arthur Blank sees Mike Vick potential in Lamar Jackson. He's worked with Mike Vick before, and he wants to see that again because when Mike Vick was in Atlanta, that's the most popular the Falcons have been outside of the Deion Sanders 90s Dirty Birds Falcons era. So for Arthur Blank to see that potential in Lamar Jackson, he's absolutely willing to overpay
1: to bring Lamar Jackson to Atlanta, and they have the money to do it. Now, and in my opinion, I think Lamar Jackson is better than Michael Vick. Like, Lamar Jackson is what Michael Vick would have been – if he hadn't gone to jail
2: yeah <laughs> no i I was, I was yeah i was about to say lamar, lamar is better than michael vick there, there's no i i think i don't think there's a debate i think michael vick changed the game and has revolutionized the way quarterbacks play these days but i think from a skill level lamar is obviously better if he does not go with the ravens i think he's coming to atlanta he's going to be electric in that offense with kyle pitts drake london tyler algier and quarter patterson i mean there's they, they can even add some guys around that to potentially get a, another receiver in the the draft i think atlanta could run that division for a couple years maybe five plus years if lamar is a falcon
1: i was like and they have the cap space to give him his deal and then all they'd have to do is shore up the middle of that line and they should be set even if they don't add another weapon with drake london and kyle pitts alone like (laughs) yeah i definitely think at this point there
0: are only two reasonable landing spots and that's baltimore and atlanta but let's talk about some other free agents that we've got we've got a trio of running backs who deserve Pretty
1: big money. And let's start with Saquon Barkley. Do we think he stays in New York? So so Saquon, I think they're going to end up paying him. Uh, but for me, I don't know if it's worth overpaying for running backs in general. Like there are some polarizing ones like Saquon Barkley and uh, Christian McCaffrey and those types. But at the same time, there's a lot of talent every year that come out of running backs. And they have very short shelf lives. And so in general... I don't think it's worth paying a bunch of money for a running back.
2: I would agree with you. I, I think paying the running back is something that leads your team down a path of no return. And you're going to go closer to a rebuild when you pay a running back. But like you were saying, there's those elite guys that are that can be paid. And I think that Saquon proved the doubters wrong this year, came back, played a full season. And everyone was like, OK, you can play a full season. Is he going to play an elite level? Yes. Yes. He carried the Giants. Half he carried half of that Giants offense, and he's they can't let him go. I don't think they can afford to let him go, especially with the season they the first season under Dable and how much success they had. It wouldn't make sense from the Giants organization to let him go. So I think at a a, a contract where he's getting maybe $12, $13 dollars a year, I think that would be worth it for the Giants.
1: Now, the next two on our list, I think they will get paid, but not necessarily from their own teams because Josh Jacobs, he had that amazing season. But Josh McDaniels comes from the Bill Belichick tree. Bill Belichick doesn't pay running backs. like He, he goes with a running back by committee system, and that's what Josh McDaniels obviously was running when he was with the Patriots for all those years. And so, especially after drafting... Uh, Zamir White. Thank you uh Zamir White and kind of already prepping for his leaving. Uh I don't see them paying and then Tony Pollard, I would have been Oh yeah, the Cowboys are definitely going to pay him. But he has that broken leg in the playoff game, so is he going to get the money from the Cowboys?
0: Now? I think they're still going to pay him because from what I've heard, they do not see anything more in Zeke. Like they might cut Zeke this off season. but they also could go to the draft.
2: The only way I see Tony Pollard returning to the Cowboys is if Ezekiel Elliott is no longer on the team. I think he. I think even cap wise, he has to be cut for them to even offer him a contract. So, and maybe they don't get the oppor- They cut Zeke. They don't get the opportunity to re-sign Pollard. Bijan Robinson might be staying in the state of Texas and going to the Cowboys, but that's a whole different story. But back to Josh Jacobs, he's had a thousand yards, a thousand all-purpose yards in each of his, I think, four seasons in the NFL. He's a very talented player. And I think a team is going to overpay for a running back like him, and it's not going to be the Raiders because they're, they're trending towards rebuild, uh, especially letting Derek Carr go. And now Jacobs, Waller's been hurt for a very long time. I think a team, I don't even know, maybe the Bills could overpay for him the, with how bad their running game is, but I think they could. They have other guys that they need to pay. So, I, But I really do think a team is going to just
0: drop the bag on him, and then we'll see what happens from there. Moving on to our next free agent, that would be Geno Smith. Now, this one's this one's a bit of a toss-up. I know a lot of us
1: have some pretty different opinions on Geno Smith. JD, we'll start with you. Uh, w- will he get paid? Probably. Should he get paid? Uh, not as much as they're going to because he had one year. Like, one great year. I mean, the Broncos paid Case Keenum after that one year in Minnesota, and what happened? Nothing. He was terrible for us. And so, I see somebody is going to pay him the 35-40 mil that he's maybe up to 45 and he's going to be a 25 million dollar quarterback at best.
0: I agree. I think he his average annual value should come out to be right around 30 million, no more than that. He's just a bit too old for you to invest your future in him. But that being said, he is a serviceable quarterback and for the direction the Seahawks are going, I don't think they would mind giving him three years, $30 million.
2: I like Geno. I like maybe not as a player, but as a locker room guy and how he brought this team together and how he turned, he, he revitalized himself. I, I, I think Geno Smith, he's probably, you know, he's probably at tag value, maybe, you know, 30, 30 million, 32 million
1: tag value for a quarterback is 45.
2: Not that. No, it's not. It's 32 million.
1: I thought that was transition tag.
2: No, it's thirty. I'm, I'm like ninety five percent sure it's thirty two million. Because, but either way, thir-
1: when, they, when they talked about the Lamar Jackson franchise tag, it was forty five.
2: Either way, thirty two million is probably what I would give Gino, and I would only give it maybe like a two year contract, maybe two for sixty five at the max. Where he, if he, if he does bad, you know, if he starts to trend downward again, you only have one season of it on as dead cap on your books and then you can move forward but i think if he i think he should re-sign with seattle just because of the way they the team meshed so well together this season i don't see a reason why they can't go out and get 10 wins especially with two other teams that division on the decline they shouldn't have a problem with getting another 10 win season next year
1: well the only surprise option i would say would be the buccaneers because their oc is now on the buccaneers yeah. and so i could see that as well All right, moving on to our last free agent, that would be Juju Smith-Schuster,
0: who a lot of people had some pretty high expectations for him moving into Kansas City, getting to work with Patrick Mahomes after coming off of a couple of disappointing seasons in Pittsburgh, I think we could all agree. Uh, Do we think he stays in Kansas City and keeps building that chemistry with Patrick Mahomes,
1: or did he do enough to earn a big-time contract somewhere else? I think it depends on how much he wants to get paid because I don't think Kansas City is going to pay him if he wants to be a highly paid receiver because Patrick Mahomes is so talented and that roster is so talented that they don't have to. And so if he's willing to stay for a discount, yeah, he might stay in KC. But if he wants the money, he has to go somewhere else.
2: I, I certainly do not think he has, worked, he, he has earned um, wide receiver one money. He he just doesn't... He His best season of his career was when he was behind... Prime Antonio Brown getting guarded by cornerback twos and lesser competition. Now, after AB's gone years in Pittsburgh this year in Kansas City, he's seen the best cornerback on each team, and he hasn't fared the best. You know, he had a great final drive on the Super Bowl, and I think that's what Casey is going to say, hey, you, you you, helped us get that win. I think he's going to return to—I think his best bet is to return to Kansas City and as they foster the growth of Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney and other young guys. I think that'd be smart for him to be a mentor and smart for the team to have a veteran leader in that wide receiver room.
0: I tend to agree with both of you guys that Juju certainly has not earned wide receiver one money, and the Chiefs are just loaded with offensive talent at any skill position that you could possibly look at, and for that reason—
1: Juju is going to have to
0: take a pay cut because the Chiefs' priorities lie elsewhere.
1: Well, yeah, And my only argument for him potentially getting paid is Christian Kirk got paid wide receiver one money from the Jags when no one expected it last year. And so we could see a surprise team come out of nowhere and pay him like, Christian Kirk got. Based. That
2: is true, but to a certain degree, we never saw Christian Kirk break out in Arizona. He was always kind of buried on the depth chart and never got a full chance. Juju's had a full chance in multiple scenarios and just hasn't, you know, produced like Christian Kirk did this past season.
0: Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Damn Good Dogcast. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next time.